Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. To live in the kind of blessing that God wants to bullet to birth through you so that you can reflect Him in this earth. God wants to bless you. And we've been talking about this idea of thrive and prosper, thriving and prospering in Him, His Spirit flourishing within you, His Spirit producing genuine fruit through you, His Spirit radically transforming you so that you outwardly, mentally, and soulishly Live within what He's done in you spiritually, right? God wants to bless you. God is not withholding from you. He wants to be a blessing to you so that you will be a blessing to the world. Specifically, like we've been talking about in this one particular passage here, and we've, we've read it every week, and there's a lot unpacked. If you're new to us, you can go back and, and listen to more about this series. But this idea is what we've been camping out on. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Your righteousness is Christ's righteousness. He has given you Christ's righteousness. Not because you deserve it, not because you've believed hard enough for it, but because that is the only way to be free from His wrath and the only way to inherit eternal life is for God to give you right standing with Him freely. Amen. You say yes to Jesus. Amen. So your righteousness is Christ's righteousness that has been planted in you, and He <laughs> wants to water that. And you water it by mind renewal, setting off the old and putting on the new. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. So questions come out like, are you able to be generous in every way? Like, like any opportunity that you get to be generous, can you with your time, with your emotional capacity? A lot of us are so overcharged emotionally, there's no margin at all for anyone else to come into our life to, for us to minister to them because it's like, yeah, there's too much stuff going on ourselves, right? Can you be generous with your emotional life, with your peace? Do you have so much peace that you're experiencing with God that you can be generous with your peace, which is His peace, obviously? Right? You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. And as you are generous in every way toward the world, toward your friends and family, that produces thanksgiving to God from them toward God. You get out of the way, right? You're just the vessel that He births Himself through, that He blesses and pours Himself out into the earth, and the thankfulness goes to God, right? Like, your existence should make people thankful. Amen. You walk into a room, people should say, oh, thank God they're here. I know what you're thinking. <laughs> oh, they're here. You might wake up and go to the mirror and say, oh, you again? <laughs> because you've been so blessed, you've been so transformed by knowing what He did for you and His love for you that you, you can't help it. 
I am not at all trying to say I'm the example. I am not Jesus' example. But I couldn't sit there and let that poor girl think that she was going to have to feel guilt and shame for the rest of her life for something that... I don't even know what she did, you know? It had, uh, she had to be set free. Uh, so I, I pray. I pray that seed. I pray, God, that that seed is planted and she discovers who she really is in you and what you've done for her. So this idea, this whole idea that you would be enriched in every way, and, and, and most of you know you've been here for most of these. I'd go back and listen. We got to a point last week, so we were talking about expanding your tents and this invitation from God to enlarge the place of your tent, stretch out the curtains of your dwellings, don't hold back. We talked about Moses and God used what was in his hand when God called Moses to do this amazing thing. Moses was like, well, how am I going to do that? And God said, well, what's in your hand? What do you already have? The woman whose husband served and followed Elisha, uh, she, her husband died and her children were at risk of being given into slavery. And through Elisha, God said, go find as many jars as you can find. So she, he said, what do you have in your house? And she said, well, I've got this oil. You know, Moses, well, I've got this staff. She said, well, I've got this oil. That's what God used. What was already in their hand, what was already in their house. And what God did for the woman, go get as many jars as you can find. And they were all filled, right? And the oil only stopped flowing when they ran out of jars and containers. I don't want to run out of jars and containers. I want it to keep going. I mean, and so then we come to this idea of thinking about God, inviting Him into your life, opening your heart to Him, expanding your tents, increasing the expectation that you have of what God can do through you, not for you, but through you, and you get to benefit and be blessed in the process. The question arises, all right, think about this, just how big is God? If she had been able to go out and get every jar in the entire planet could God have filled all those jars? Could He? Like, do you have any question God could have filled every jar on the entire planet? Of course, He's God. And so like, all right, let's, let's think of it that way when we're seeking to follow God and apply His wisdom and instruction in our lives, He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. Not to make your pockets fat, but so that you would be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. Amen. Your pockets probably need to be fat for you to fit into that category. Amen. You, you should be so free from sin that you can confidently speak in people's lives. You're forgiven. Amen. So at peace that you know that whatever they're going through, if they just tune their hearts to God, God will lead them through it. Like, like, I have no doubt at all. I've been through some pretty dark stuff. I have zero doubt at all that any human heart that takes the time to turn its attention toward God, He can deliver them from anything Amen. and wants to if they will just tune their heart to Him and follow Him through it. Right? Amen. God, God is not interested in you sitting in your sickness to teach you lessons. You don't see that in Jesus. You don't, see sick, you don't see that stuff in the garden. You don't see it in heaven. And you don't see it in Jesus. Those are the only three times that you see the unhindered will of God. Everything else in between is mankind's dominion, 
collaborating with God. Could God do anything He wants to do? Absolutely He could. But He gave mankind dominion over this planet. You know, we reinforce that all the time. So just to kind of bring this down to a... Well, I've got a little bit more time today in the second than I did in the first. Let me, let me just walk through this real quick. Last week, just as a reminder, we talked about George Washington Carver. If you didn't listen to that, there were, uh, people got a lot out of that. Go back and just read through the quotes that came out of that. You know, what I love about him and the reason I brought him up is because he had this way of intuitively communing with God and putting into practice those subtle influences, you know, it wasn't like this big charismatic download of information. Although after spending hours and hours and years with the Lord in nature, he would get very specific things. He, he developed his own communication style with the Lord, you know. God wants to communicate and speak with us. Go back and listen to that or just read about this guy. It's very inspiring. But what that came down to was this. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God and it will be given to him. Amen. Do you lack wisdom? I do. This here says God will give me wisdom, and it's applied universally so that his fruit is birthed through you. So what I want to end with is this. I'm going to read through a section of Mark 4 for the purpose of getting down to this idea, right? Pay attention to God. Pay attention to those subtle nuances you know, if you're from a denominational background, that Holy Spirit thing may be a little weird for you. But Jesus said, when my spirit comes, he will communicate with you. He will remind you of what I said. He will show you things to come. He will lead you and guide you into all truth. It's a conversation. It's a relationship that you're having with the Holy Spirit. And a lot of times we miss the answers that we're praying for because we just don't, t it's, it's either too practical or we don't understand it. We don't want to take that step. You know, we're looking for this big grandiose thing. But a lot of times he might just tell you what time to start going to bed. He might tell you what to leave out of your diet. Because something in your diet is causing a reaction and your brain isn't processing properly. And there's confusion. I mean, you know, silly little things like that. He's very practical. It might also be a formula to separate a peanut into four different things and put them all back together and come up with 300 uses for it, like with George Washington Carver. It might be that. For me, it's more subtle. It's, it's a lifetime of steady, slow, which might be related to my behavior pattern personally. You know, I don't know. God's not going to jerk a knot in your neck and give you whiplash to follow him, you know. It's going to be something where your heart's involved. You might not understand it. And so I'm not talking about an intellectual pursuit to get information from God. I'm talking about you developing a confidence that He is within you and He is influencing you. And as you act on that influence, a life is built, a life that glorifies God, a, lo a transformed life that reflects His glory and His holiness and His righteousness that He's given you. A life that you may not point to one specific thing and think, God, this amazing thing, but a life where you look back and you're like, I've, I've walked with Jesus. I have taken the time to hide His Word in my heart. And when that Word rises back up, I put the, heart, I put the sickle in for the harvest, as He talks about in Mark 4, and I experience the fruit. Amen. Now, some of you are saying, what is He talking about? And some of you are like, I get it. Me too. Amen. And if you're saying, what is he talking about? It's okay. 
I don't really have anything to follow that up with. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with you. Let's just say that, right? Uh, you hear the Holy Spirit better than you think that you do. It doesn't have to be like, you know, charismatic mama over here that's floating across the stage and always hearing from God, right? I, like, I trust the people who... Anyway, let's keep going here. <laughs> Let me just read through this, and then we'll come to the conclusion uh, and, and then have lunch. All right, Mark 4, verse 13. This is Jesus gives the parable of the sower. This is after he's back away from the crowd with his smaller group. They ask him what that mean, and he tells them. Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? This is significant. I think he says this because all parables are related to seed and harvest. Like he set it up from the beginning. If you don't understand planting the word, if you don't understand planting whatever it is that God is leading you to in that moment, having patience for it to come to fruition, you, 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 you have more of a Newtonian cause and effect view of God. If I do this, if I give this amount, then God will do this. If I do this, then God's going to... You know, it's like, no, it, there's, it's living. There's a living process to walking and following God. And it's seed time and harvest. What are you planting? So the sower sows the word, specifically in your heart, as in Proverbs 8, which I read this morning. Uh, write his commandments on the tablet of your heart. Now, he's done that for you, this new heart that you have under the new covenant. Praise God. But you still are writing things on your heart. Be careful what you write on your heart, specifically about you in the eyes of the Father. The sower sows the word, and these are the ones. So he's describing, he's going to explain, he's four different types of heart conditions. A lot of people will preach that this is four different types of people, but it's not four different types of people. It's four different heart positions toward God. You might have all four of them in you at different times. In one area, you may be really comfortable trusting Him for forgiveness, but for healing or financial provision, it's shallow within you for whatever reason, right? So the sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes. Now, how does Satan come? Distracts, deception, lies. Did God really say? How did he do it with Jesus? Did God really say? That's what he did with Adam and Eve. Did God really say? That's how it comes. So when you are seeking to trust and believe God, and the question rises up within you, does God really want this for me? Is this something that really I can stand for? You're listening to the enemy. Stop it. Of course God wants it for you. If Jesus paid for it, He wants it for you now. Amen? Amen? That's what the enemy will do. He calls you to question God. He's not going to jump in there and craftily take it out without your participation. The only power the enemy has is your willingness to believe his lies. True. Can't make you believe anything. Can't make you do anything you don't want to do. That's a whole other topic coming soon anyway. Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who hear the word immediately and receive it with joy. I've been in that place. You hear a word, oh man, this is exciting. And then you don't experience it and then you get mad at God. And they have no root in themselves but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. 
a lot of early believers. This is what Paul encountered all the time. Paul all the time was telling those early believers, don't draw back. That's what Hebrews is all about. Don't go back down and start offering sacrifices in the temple. Jesus is your salvation. Don't draw back away from Jesus because you're being persecuted and you know they're killing you with rocks. Don't give up, right? So verse 18, and others are the ones sown among thorns. This is where I think most of us are. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful. This sounds like an evil heart, but it's not. It's you and me because the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches chokes out that capacity to hold on to and believe the word. And it looks like, man, I tell you what, we've got these bills to pay. I'm just stressed right now. That is choking the word that God is your provider. If you're sitting there worrying about money, now you might do your budget. You might be intentional about handling your finances well. That's fine. But if you're sitting there worrying, wondering, you don't really truly know. Now, that doesn't mean live irresponsibly with money and think God's just going to come in and bail you out. He does give you proper ways to handle money all through the Proverbs. One specifically being stay out of debt. Uh oh. But those who are sown on the good soil, so this is Jesus explaining his parable, are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit, some 30, some 60, and some 100 fold. And he said to them, Is a lamp brought? So, because people get confused about what he's talking about here, he's talking about the same thing that he's been talking about. That's how you understand the Bible is that you keep it in context. What was he just talking about? And what's he about to talk about? That tells me what he's talking about. And he said to them, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be manifest. Nothing is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone here has ears to hear, let him hear. So what he's saying is, you taking the word and putting it in your heart is the mystery of the kingdom. That's what he said before that. So now that you know that that's the mystery of the kingdom, you paying attention to that word, live in such a way where that illuminates your life. You're living a life of putting God's word in your heart, letting it grow and increase, the understanding that comes from that. You are to live that way. Let that way of living illuminate your life. And oh, by the way, it's not, there's not all these things that you need to try and figure out. There's nothing hidden that's not going to come to light. Like there's not mysteries that God's going to keep and withhold from you about how it works. If you've ever prayed and you've like, well, God, I just don't understand. I just don't understand. What he's saying here is, look, there's not something that you don't understand right now that can't come to light. These mysteries that are here, it's not hidden except that it will be made manifest. How is it made manifest? How is your solution to applying God's wisdom in your life, in your specific situation, how can that manifest? That's a question that I have. All right, God, your word is true. You are the living God. You will lead and guide me into all truth. You have the solution within you that you've placed within me. How can I hear it and see it? What do I do? I think he then gives the answer to that. Pay attention to what you hear. Specifically, what you hear as the result of putting the word in your heart. Are you with me? Pay attention. 
You have ideas from God you have not put into practice yet. Those ideas could radically change your life. They could make your marriage better. They could lead you to a particular job that is just incredibly fulfilling for you. They could lead you in, you know, all those famous million-dollar ideas that they preach about all the time. Like, you got a million-dollar idea in you. Anyway, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. So he's saying, pay attention. When you put the word, when you take the time to pray, when you take the time to read the word, and you get alone with God, and you're communing and you're meditating on that word, also add time in there to pay attention to what comes up afterward. How is your heart responding? Are you believing? Are you in faith that this is true? Is it challenging for you to believe that this is who God really is? How does this look applied in your life? God will help you work it out. That thing that seems hidden, it's hidden so that it would be revealed. And it's revealed as, as you take time to meditate and spend time with Him because He's speaking to you. And, and it's not that unusual. You just have to develop a confidence from your identity, knowing who you are in Him, in hearing what you hear and putting it into practice. It's what You hear God better than you think that you do. I promise you. Amen. And he says, uh, For to one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And he said, The kingdom of God is as if... A, as if so... He's going to explain what does that mean. So is it God taking that which he has away and giving more? Directly, no. This is not saying if you don't do it right, God's going to show up and take away even that what you have. That's not what he's saying because people will cite Job and try to apply this passage. He's not talking about that. Let's keep going. Keep it in context. What are you saying, Jesus? You're, who, I'm going to get more of what I have and even if I don't have then that's going to be taken away. He's talking about the seed. Amen. He's Remember, he already talked about the seed being taken away, the enemy coming to you and giving you deception and lies and distractions. That's how it's taken away. It's taken away as you don't pay attention to what's been sown in there. As you get distracted by the cares of this life, it's taken away. Even that what's in there, even the word that you have in there will fizzle out and dry up as you become distracted by what's going on in the world. Do you see it? Yes. The kingdom of God is as if a man should cast, cast, scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. You want to know how the kingdom works? He don't know how. That, that's the explanation that he gets. Here's the mystery of the kingdom. The condition of your heart determines the degree that you will let it grow into your life. If you become distracted, even that which you have will be taken away by the world, by your own volition of giving it up, so to speak. But you want to know how it works? It's like a farmer that casts seed in the ground. He sleeps, he rests, he wakes up. He doesn't know how it works, but it produces fruit. That is where you have to be. You have to be just viciously like a dog on a bone with the fact that whatever word you're planting in your heart will produce fruit. Amen. Do you understand that? Are you with me? Amen. Like specifically, who is God in this situation that I'm dealing with? What promise and word do I have to stand on in this situation? 
And is that more real to you than the external circumstance? Because who He is is more true than any temporary thing we might go through. And when we listen to the enemy... And see, this is why it, it, it irks me that so much bad doctrine is taught about the finished work of Christ and mixture of covenants and causing Christians to still think that they're, you know, have this sin nature. It's like you're contradicting what Jesus did in you. How in the world can you expect to, for people to actually stand and believe God if you're still mixing in all this mixture covenant stuff and performance righteousness? Plant the seed. It will produce. This is the last passage, and then I got a statement. The earth, this is, it actually, the earth is the wrong interpretation. It's the seed produces by itself. First the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Your harvest might be, Lord, I need direction. Oh, you, oh, you want me to uh, spend, prob- like read Proverbs every day. That seems practical, but I, I think I'll try that. Oh, you want me to start exercising five minutes. Oh, you want me to talk to somebody that can help me deal with this. You know what I mean? Like, are you actually going to put into practice that little thing that rises up? Usually we don't because it looks like responsibility. Or we don't know how to do it, and so we wait for God to tell us how to do it rather than stepping. I love uh, the Abrahams, Alex and Emily. Both of them, I don't know how to work on bikes, and they got a bike ministry. That's God. That's stepping out, moving forward, take a little step, trust God, and then he adds what they need, the wisdom that they need, gain a little know-how, take a class, take a course, somebody else come, you know, whatever it looks like for you. So let me read this. This is like a commentary on this idea. This is this guy explaining what Jesus just read. Uh, So there shall be given over and above, not to those who hear, but to those who think on what they hear. This thought introduces Mark 4.25, which in this connection means the more a man thinks, the more he will understand, and the less a man thinks, the less his power of understanding will become. Whoso has attention, knowledge will be given to him. And from him who has not, the seed of knowledge will be taken away. For as diligence causes that seed to grow, negligence destroys it. Now, what this is saying to me is not that necessarily thinking, but specifically meditating. Meditating with the purpose of making sure that your thoughts and how you're thinking about that situation have been shaped by what God says about that situation. All right? So that you can take your thoughts and compare them to God's Word. And if your thoughts contradict God's Word, you need to repent. If your behavior contradicts His Word, you need to repent. Change the way that you think and align, align yourself with His Word and His wisdom. All of this really just comes down to a super simple idea. And that's just pay attention to the Spirit of God within you. And now you might think you don't hear from God. You might think, well, I'm not one of those kinds of Christians. But you are. You hear from Him. You hear from Him better than you think that you do. You follow God all the time. I promise you, you do. 
God is in you. He can't help but to speak to you and lead you and guide you. But what does it look like for you to specifically let the Word arise within you and whatever it is that you're dealing with, that you do something maybe a little bit differently than what you used to do? This is what it looks like. This is your practical step. This is your homework. When you are seeking, I mean, I hope that you're praying and I hope that you're reading the Word and I hope that you're putting it in there with the expectation that it will bear fruit. But add this to your prayer life, your communing with God, whatever it looks like. Do this. When you're reading and when you're praying, take time to as much as you can. Don't sit there and spin the wheels about what you just said or don't sit there and let confusion set in on what that particular scripture is. Just sit and wait. Be still and know God. Be still and experience God. Pay attention. And then whatever rises up, if it's an action step to take, if it's another passage, if it's apologizing to someone, if it's correct this, you know, He will discipline you. He will, you are His disciple. In those moments, you will get correction. You will get instruction. You will get information even. Amen. Take the time to sit and listen. You don't trust yourself because you think in those moments that it's your own thoughts, but pay attention. Write them down. Once you write it down, look at it. Take it. Hold it up next to the Word of God. Is this scriptural? Does this make sense? What does this look like to put this into practice? God will lead you. God will guide you. I promise He will. You just don't trust yourself that you hear and can apply, but you can. Better than you think that you do. Make sure it matches the Word so you don't get goofy and weird. But live the Word. Amen? Do you see yourself doing that? Like, do you see yourself taking the time to let the response come back from God? Amen. Do you see it? Father, we thank You. We thank You that You love us. We thank You that You gave us Your Spirit. And we thank you that you are not silent, that you are speaking to us, that you, are, that you are breathing on your word, that even in this moment, you are actively causing your word, your logic to come alive within us, to bring understanding, to bring direction, to bring correction, to bring discipline, to help us put off the former man, to help us put on the new man to believe and live within this righteousness that you've given us. And we just simply want to be filled with your word. We want your word to bear fruit within us so that in every way, so that we are enriched in every way and can be generous in every way to bring glory to your name. Now just try it right now. Think about an area of your life where you need wisdom from God. You need to see some changes. Turn your heart toward Him. Ask for wisdom. And see if you get a step. A scripture might arise, or you, you have an idea. I think I'll try this. I think I'll put this into practice. So just so everybody knows, and I'm curious, if you felt like something became clear, just lift up your hand, raise up your hand. You felt like you heard some kind of response. Yeah, hold your hand up. Everybody look around. These are, these are some solid people. These aren't weird people. You hear God. Now, you raised your hand. We got it on video. Actually, we don't. They can't see that. But What, what we're going to do 
is ask next week if you actually took that step. Amen. But don't be ditching church because you don't want to tell your stuff. <laughs> I'll probably forget anyway, but I, I hope that that's something that helps you. Amen. Amen? All right. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. And thank you to those of you who support Forward Ministries financially. You truly are changing the way the world sees God. You're helping people detox from performance-based religion and experience God's love for them. We're committed to helping you renew your mind so you'll experience transformation and move forward in every area of your life. I pray you're making this heart journey. Visit my website at clintbyers.com for hundreds of free teachings and articles that will empower you to renew your mind and put on your eternal identity in Christ. I'm especially excited about my tools for transformation that have original music and modern technology designed to help you slow down and connect with the Spirit of God in your heart. I'd like to invite you to partner with Forward Ministries. Help us continue to spread the gospel and develop resources that are empowering people to grow in their identity in Christ. Thank you again for joining me. I pray God's blessings and promises over you and your family today.